My title to this message comes in the form of a question. Why are men condemned? It was not a red-faced, hellfire and brimstone preacher who said, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. And straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. Those are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many go the way of destruction, the way of condemnation, where God will be condemning. And few go the way of Christ, the way of the straight gate and the narrow way. Why are men condemned? I know we've all asked ourselves that question from time to time. Why are men condemned? Why does God punish men? All men know intuitively that God is and will reward the righteous and punish the wicked. Everyone is born with that knowledge. Now, somebody may think, well, I don't believe God is. Okay. But there was a time when you did. Perhaps now you don't. But there was a time when you did. All men are born believing that God is. And not only are we born believing that God is, we all intuitively have a sense of right and wrong. God's law written in the heart, according to Romans chapter 2. Everybody knows it's wrong to lie. Everyone knows it's wrong to steal. Everyone knows it's wrong to murder. God's law is written in the heart, and we all have a sense of justice and fairness. I was watching a commercial the other day. What can I do? Get that to stop. Um, I was watching a commercial the other day, and a man came up to a little boy and a little girl. They were brothers and sisters, and he gave the little boy a great big sucker, and he gave the little girl a little one. What do you think came out of her mouth immediately? That's not fair. That's not fair. We all have a sense of fairness. We all have a sense of what is right and what is wrong. And I think it's interesting, even a two-year-old uh, will come out with this uh, statement, I'm not being treated fairly. This is not right. This is not fair. I'm not being treated right. We all have this sense of right and wrong. And intuitively we know that 
God will reward the righteous and they will go to heaven and God will condemn the wicked and they are under his condemnation. Now look back in our text, verse 18 of John chapter 3. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's why he's condemned, because he has not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. Here's why he condemns that light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved or exposed seem to be what they really are. Now the word condemnation in verse 19, and this is the condemnation, is the word that is generally translated judgment. Judgment. It's the same word used for judgment day in the scriptures. It's appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment. You will remember when the Lord said to that religious crowd, it'll be more tolerable for Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Now that is a intense statement. He looks at these people and he talks about the people of Sodom, the people who were known for grotesque immorality and perversion. And he said, those people will have it better on the day of judgment than you will. The people who did not believe the gospel. Now there is a place called heaven where the righteous are rewarded. And there is a place called hell where the wicked are condemned. Condemnation. And let me say this about God's condemnation. It's just, it's fair, and it's right. Turn with me for a moment to Revelation 20. This speaks of the judgment. Verse 11. Revelation 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne... And him that sat on the throne from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead, dead in trespasses and sins, those who are not saved, the dead 
were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Now this is so important for me and you to understand this. God's condemnation, he doesn't send men to hell because they're not elect. He doesn't send men to hell because Christ didn't die for them. He sends men to hell because of their sin. Because of their works. And hell is, condemnation is God's fairness. It's his justice. Abraham said, shall not the judge of the earth do right? He shall. And what is amazing to me, I was talking to Lynn about this on the way over here. It is amazing to me how every one of us are guilty of setting in judgment on God and calling into question his fairness for what he does. In Romans chapter 9 is the great example of this. If you'll turn with me there, Romans chapter 9. Verse 11, for the children, talking about Jacob and Esau being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. As it's written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Now he talks about these two twins. They hadn't done any good or evil. God loved one and did not love the other. He chose one and did not choose the other. Now that's what the text says. Now what does Paul anticipate our reaction will be? Verse 14. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Is God unfair? Is he unjust? Is he Being cruel in loving one and the scripture says hating the other. Paul's answer, God forbid. God forbid. God forbid that we would think of sitting in judgment on God and calling something he does fair or unfair. We're unqualified. Me and you are unqualified to make a judgment like that. And we ought to know that. And whenever we question his fairness, we're out on a limb of wrongness, of sinfulness. It's not right. Every one of us are guilty of it. Every one of us have had that response. Look what he says in verse 18 of the same chapter. Therefore... Hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy and whom he will, he hardens. Now, once again, that's the scripture. He can have mercy on you or he can harden your heart so that you'll never believe like he did Pharaoh. This is scriptural. I'm not giving uh, some strange point of view. I'm giving what the Bible actually says. Now, look what... Paul anticipates, thou wilt say then unto me, well, why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? If he hardened me, how can he hold me responsible when he's the one who hardened me? How can he find fault with me? How can he charge me with what he hardened me to do? How does Paul answer? 
I love the way he answers this. He doesn't try to explain. He just says, nay, but oh man, who are you to reply against God? Since when do you have the moral aptitude to sit in judgment on God and say, I agree with this. This is not right. This is wrong. You have no place. And if you believe you're a sinner, you'll understand that. You and I are unqualified to sit in judgment on the God of glory. Why are men condemned? Back to our text in John chapter 3. They are condemned. Many. That's what the Lord says. Many. Why are they condemned? He that believeth on him is not condemned. (laughs) He that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Now, why are men condemned? Because they love darkness rather than light. Because they did not believe on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, when we talk about condemnation, I want to give what the scripture teaches regarding this thing of condemnation. We're actually born condemned. Romans chapter 5, verse 18 says, By the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. That's what the scripture says. When Adam sinned and was condemned, you and I were as well. Now somebody says, well, how could I be held responsible for what somebody else did? You're not. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, by one man, sin entered the world and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men in that all have sinned. You see, when Adam sinned, you and I sinned. It's not that we didn't do it and then it's charged our account. No, we actually sinned when Adam sinned. This is what the Word of God teaches. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says, for an Adam... All die. When he ate of the fruit, you and I died. And we were born into this world under the just condemnation of God. But let me finish that verse. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now just as Adam sinned, I sinned, Adam died, I died. If I'm in Christ, when Christ lived and obeyed, I lived. When he died, I died. When he was raised from the dead, I was raised from the dead. Now, what this tells me, if I can be condemned in Adam, I can be saved in Christ. That's the gospel. That's the very hope of the gospel, that I am saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look in Verse 16 of John chapter 3, 4. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. The world was already condemned 
but that the world through him might be saved. That was God's purpose in sending his son, that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned. Now, do you hear that? He that believeth on him, to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. He that believeth is not condemned. And let me tell you why he's not condemned, because there's nothing to condemn him for. You know, when the Lord looked at that woman who was guilty of adultery, caught in the very act, and he said, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. He said, Neither do I condemn thee. Now, there's only one reason he said that. Because there was nothing to condemn her for. It's what the Bible calls justification. My sin was paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. He bore it on, in his own body on the tree and put it away. And his righteousness is mine. Just as much as my sin became his sin and he became guilty of it, his righteousness becomes mine. And I personally become guilty of that righteousness. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus, if I'm in Christ Jesus, there's nothing to condemn me for. That's why I won't be condemned. I stand before God without guilt. But he that believeth not, verse 18, is condemned already. Now hear the words of the Lord. And let me remind you, this is not some red-faced, screaming, hellfire, brimstone preacher. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, do you know what the greatest sin there is, is? To not believe on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, before I go on with this, somebody's thinking, what about those people who've never heard him, of him? They've never heard the gospel. That's, somebody's thinking about that. There, there are a lot of people who have never heard the gospel. What about them? Why would they be condemned? They haven't heard, can God condemn them even if they've never heard the gospel? Well, let me uh, put a scenario before you. Let's say a man is a serial killer and he murders many people and he hates the people he murders and he does what he does willfully. Now, if that man has never heard the gospel, would we say, well, he shouldn't be condemned then? <laughs> of course not. He'd be condemned for what he did. But the greatest sin, and this is why the Lord said, it'll be more tolerable for Sodom in the day of judgment. Sodom's that place where all that perversion went on and that God destroyed it with fire from heaven. 
He says, those fellas from Sodom are going to have it better on judgment day than you will who've heard the gospel and not believed. To not believe, now let's think about this, to not believe on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, the significance of the only begotten, according to Acts chapter 13, is Christ being risen from the dead. God begat him. He died and he was raised from the dead. This is speaking of the cross and the resurrection. It's talking about the life, the death, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the life, the death, the death on the cross of the Lord, his resurrection, is a full manifestation of the character of God. The cross is the most godlike thing God ever did. On the cross, he manifests to us who he is. His character, who God really is, is seen in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of his attributes, his love, his justice, his mercy, his power to put away sin, his wisdom to make a way for him to be just and yet justify people who are guilty his immutability, his sovereignty, every attribute of God is revealed in the cross to us. And I tell you, the only way we get a true view of ourselves is by the cross. You're not going to find out how sinful you are by thinking about the things you've done or the bad thoughts that go through your mind. Now, there's plenty of them, no doubt, but what tells us the truth about ourselves is the cross. When God left man to himself, man killed God. He became a God murderer. Now that is sin. And we're given the true character of salvation in the cross, in the only begotten Son of God, saved by what He did, period. Amen? Saved by what He did, with no help from us, when He had by Himself purged our sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, the cross. And to not believe on the name of the only begotten Son of God is the greatest sin a man can commit. We're all guilty of committing the greatest sin a man can commit. Look in verse 19. And this is the condemnation. Here's why men are condemned. This is the condemnation. That light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. Light is come into the world. Now, I know exactly what this is a reference to. I know God is light. In him is no darkness at all. But the Lord said in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. And that was said precisely after he said to that woman who was taken in adultery in the very act and she'd committed that sin. And he said, I don't condemn you because there's nothing to condemn you for. He's the light as to how that is the gospel. Light is come into the world 
And you'd think men would be overcome with joy at that light. You mean God can accept me in a way that honors his justice and make it to where I've never sinned? Why, that's the best thing I've ever heard. You'd think everyone would have that response. I think it's interesting when people first hear the gospel, they're so excited about it, they think everybody's going to love this, and they go and tell people about it, and they find out it's not true. You see, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. The irreligious man hates the light because it says his deeds are evil. The religious man hates the light because it says his good deeds are evil. Our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. That's what the light exposes. Our righteousness, the best things about us, are filthy rags. I tell you what, if you, that believe, if you believe that about yourself, it's going to make you run to Christ and be covered with his righteousness because you know you don't have any of your own. But people, by nature, do not love the light. They hate the light. And you think about this. God will show mercy to you if you come by Christ. I don't want to come by Christ. How evil. That's why God condemns men, because they hate the light. They have no love for the light, but they love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. Look in verse 20. For everyone, no exceptions, that doeth evil hates the light. Now, what a man is is seen by what he loves and what he hates. Everyone that doeth evil hates the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. You know, if I come into the light, it's going to expose all my deeds as sinful. It's going to take away any hope of self-salvation. Now, if you're hoping in yourself, you're going to hate that. It's taking away what you're hoping in to be saved. And you're going to disagree. You're going to hate that. You're going to say, it's not fair. Why didn't come up with all kinds of objections and so on? Verse 21. But. This is the same but as but God who is rich in mercy. I love this verse. But. He that doeth truth. Comes to the light. That his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. He that doeth truth. And in the original, the definite article is used. He that doeth the truth. He that doeth the truth. In John chapter 17, verse 17, the Lord said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is Truth. Now, the truth is objective. It's not subject to what me and you think it is. Someone says, well, I think it's this. Well, it doesn't matter whether you think that or not. The truth is what it is. Whatever we believe about it, it doesn't matter. It's, a, it's an objective truth, the truth of the gospel. <clears throat> Verse 
You know, the Lord said in John 18, 37, I came to bear witness to the truth. And that means by his death on the cross, he bore witness to the truth of who God is, who I am, and how God saves by the cross. That is the truth that he bore witness to. And when Pilate heard those words, he said, truth? What's truth? I mean, is there such a thing? And people would ask that today, wouldn't they? Is there such a thing as truth? Okay, let's say there is. Can I know it? Can I say I know the truth? Why is it not that an act of presumption? What makes me? Can we actually say we know it? And as far as that goes, truth, is it worth this? Is it worth going to the cross for? Is it worth dying for? What is truth? He that doeth the truth. Now, the truth becomes subjective when we become doers of the truth. Now, what's that mean? Doers of the truth. Well, let me remind you the truth. Salvation is called coming to a knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 2.4. Faith is called the faith of God's elect, the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. Repentance if God will peradventure, grant them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth. Truth is objective. And it becomes subjective. We become doers of the truth when we believe the truth. Now let me give you four words that are involved in doing the truth. That's when the truth, the objective truth, becomes subjective to me. I, it enters my heart. I believe it. Let me give you four words that will describe what this thing of the doing of the truth is. First, you hear the truth. You hear the truth. You can't believe what you've never heard. Ephesians 1.13 says, In whom ye trusted, after that you heard the word of truth. There's no trusting until after that you have heard the word of truth. Faith cometh by hearing. Second word, you believe the truth. You hear the truth and you believe the truth. Second Thessalonians 2.13, but we're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. You hear the truth. You believe the truth. But here's the third word. Worship. The Lord said in John 4, God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. If hearing the truth and believing the truth doesn't end in worship, I never really heard and I never really believed. Now this thing of worship, it's worshiping God for who he is. That's what worship is. I worship God for who he 
is. And I love saying this. You'll only worship a sovereign God. You'll only worship a God that you're in his hands and he can do with you whatever he's pleased to do. You can't manipulate him. You can't get him to respond to you. You're in his hand. That God you'll worship. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You hear the truth. You believe the truth. You worship through the truth. And the fourth word is love. Love. Paul spoke to the Thessalonians and warned them about those who received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Now, let's just talk about loving the truth. It's one thing to believe the Bible is the word of God, and it's another thing to love what God says in his word. All the difference in the world. It's one thing to believe that the Bible teaches that God is the first cause of all things and absolutely sovereign. It's another thing to love that he is. It's one thing to believe that the Bible teaches total depravity. It's another thing to believe you're totally depraved. Personally. It's one thing to believe that the Bible teaches that God elected a people. It's another thing to be so thankful that God elected a people because you know you wouldn't be saved if he didn't. You love election because it glorifies God. It says salvation is by grace. It's one thing to believe that Christ died for the elect, that that's what the scripture teaches. It's another thing to find your only hope in Christ saying it is finished and loving that knowing that all God requires of you, you have, because he said it is finished. It's one thing to see that the Bible does and teach salvation by grace. It's another thing to love salvation being by grace and loving his irresistible, invincible grace toward you. That's the love of the truth. You hear the truth? You believe the truth? You worship, you love, that is doing the truth. Now let's look what it says in verse 21. This is an important thing for us to understand. Verse 21, but he that doeth truth, he comes to the light. Unlike that person who doesn't come to the light because he hates it, he comes to the light that his deeds may be manifest. He wants everybody to see. He wants God to see. He's not a shame to come to the light. He's not ashamed to bring his deeds to the light. He wants his deeds to be made manifest that God did them. That God did them. Now, when Jesus Christ obeyed God's law perfectly in his body, I obeyed God's law perfectly. The good deeds done in my body, he did them, but they're mine. It's justification. And I'm not ashamed to bring that to the light. I'm not ashamed to bring what God did to the light. I'm not ashamed to bring my faith to the light because it's the faith he gave me. I'm not ashamed to bring my love to the light because it's the love he gave me. Let's put it this way. Paul said, work out your salvation. With fear and trembling. 
For it's God that worketh in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Now, I'll bring anything that he did to the light. And I'm fine with it being exposed. Because all of my salvation is what he did. In every experience, I can't take that too far, all of my salvation was wrought in God. It's what he did, and I can bring that to the light. And not fear uh, being exposed in a negative way, because God's going to accept what he did. You see, all God requires, he provides. And all he provides, he accepts. And we can bring that to the light. I'm not afraid of standing before God in judgment if I'm going to be judged by what he did and that I'm simply found in him. And I don't want it to be any other way. My soul, if I was judged for any motive, God would send me to hell right now. If I was judged for anything that I ever did, thought, if... if God's holy. I'm sinful. I don't bring my sincerity or my... No. Oh, that I may win Christ and be found in him. And I'm not afraid to bring that to the light. Even in my experience, it's all wrought in God. Let's pray. Lord, we confess how we were right with Adam in his rebellion against you. That when he sinned, we sinned. Lord, we confess that we are guilty. We're guilty of murdering your son. But how thankful we are that you raised him from the dead. And that that's the way we're saved, by what he did. Lord, enable us to hear the truth, to believe the truth, to worship the truth, and to love the truth. Lord, enable us to come to the light that our deeds might be manifest, that they're wrought in God. Bless this word for your glory and for our good. Christ's name we pray. Amen. <laughs>